Welcome everyone, this is Red from Four Guys in a Comic, and today we have got an exciting interview lined up with Howard Chaikin. Oh my I would gosh, seriously he's... consider calming down if I were you. A calming down? How can I calm down? Because you're on, you know? I mean, well, really. I mean, everything. I mean, if, thankfully this isn't video, you know? Oh, so, uh, that you could be you're arranged. Not see the fact that you're talking to an unmade bed, you know, me. <laughs> you know. So, Hi, guys. Hey, my goodness. Hey, what's going on? Um, it's an existential day, which means there's nothing and everything. Life is good. That is great. My goodness, man, you have done everything since the dawn of time, it looks like. And it hasn't done me a damn bit of good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I, I own so much of what you have, and I enjoy it. So I think it's done a lot of good. And I think everybody else... It's, nice it. it's nice of you to sound so damn surprised. <laughs> I live with that. Okay. Oh, I mean, for those of you that don't know who you are, they should be shot first off. But... Which, is to say, which is to say about four-fifths of the entire comic book audience. I would give you that. Oh, that's just sad. That, that can't be true. true. Can't be true. I mean, let, let's, let's face it. I mean, the metrics of comics are that there are maybe a quarter million people in the States buying everything we produce. Mm -hmm. And I would say less than a fifth of those people know me as anything more than the guy who did Star Wars in 1976. Oh, wait, wait, you did Star Wars? So, <laughs> see? See? Mr. Smarty Pants. Just kidding. Actually, so, I, own, I own all of them. So. Of course you do, because you're because you're a, you're an old school fanboy. Yes, I am. That I am. All right, all right. My my Star Wars, my Sergeant Fury, my Sergeant Roth. Yeah, I'm, I'm old school when it comes to that. I, I just vomited in my mouth. So go ahead. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, you like, even just no, no, no. I mean, I, I've said it more than once, and I'll say it here. I mean, the Star the Star Wars stuff basically was is, is a toxic waste dump on my career. Well. I, I would. I would. I mean, I don't. I'm not here to judge the people who are buying it. That's not my point. But the point is, it completely obviates and ignores the remaining percent of my career, which actually reflects who I am and what I do, in terms of spiritually and professionally. Yeah. And it's very difficult to, appear, to sound anything other than bitter when you're talking to the comic book fan who has never heard of me outside of Star Wars, who's never read American Flag or Times Squared or seen The Shadow or Black Hawk or Black Kiss or, or Mighty Love or City of Tomorrow or Challenge of the Unknown or any of the other things I've done in the past you know, 46 fucking years of a career. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, um, I have my issues. But well, please, go on. No, really, with, with reason. Well, why don't we back it up just a hair, and sure. uh, maybe we can just start off, uh, talk about a little bit how you got into the business. In terms of my first interest in comics or how I became a professional? Either or. <laughs> okay. If you want to take it all the way back, I, I, you can take I it all the way. Comics when I, was, I discovered comics when I was four years old. Uh-huh. Um, my cousins gave me a huge refrigerator box filled with comics, and something told this four-year-old kid that someone made these things, and I wanted to be that guy. And um, I became a professional after working as an apprentice for a number of men in the early 70s. I've been, I mean, 46 years or so now. Um, my first work was terrible. I didn't get good until I was in my late 20s, early 30s, by which time my interest in producing the material that would keep an audience happy had sort of waned. So I became an outlier. Um, my, my, I owe my career to five men, uh, Gil Kane, Gray Morrow, Wallace Wood, and Neil Adams. Mm -hmm. And the fifth guy is Joe Orlando, who was my rabbi at D.C., who helped me navigate the corporate structure of that company when I was very young and, frankly, ignorant. And the, the business is different now. I guess there are people out there who are unwilling to acknowledge or admit that they're anything more than, than simply men on a train like I am. I stand on the shoulders of giants, just as the men I, I learned from stood on shoulders as well. Yeah. We all learn from our fathers. Mm -hmm. 
And I am very much the product of the work that was done for me, before me for 45 years. And I'm very proud of the fact that I maintain the tradition of comic books that began in the 1930s. I'm that guy. Okay, so, I mean, like we were talking about, you know, you've done everything. You've had your inspirations, you know, for so long. You said you got into it a little bit later, you would say. But, I mean... No, I, I, I got into comics when I was 20 years old. And my work sucked. I mean, I, I wasn't... I wasn't really good enough to do the work that I was being given. But I got, but like Willie Loman, I coasted along on a smile and a shine until I got good. Mm -hmm. I got good. I mean, the problem was my first 10 years of my career is in public. It's kind of like doing, you know, it's like, like working, like, like barber college. You know, I had the scissors and comb in my hands, but I didn't give very good haircuts. It took me 10 years of working in public to develop a working approach of which I was proud. And that's the truth. See, that's cool. Well, I got to ask then, because, you know, of everything you've done and you say you don't like being known for just Star Wars, what is the thing that you're most proud of yes. that you've done? Well, I think, I, I mean, I'm a very much, my work came, came to into its own in the 80s. So the Flagstaff sets me up. My favorite work of my own is Times Square, which is very personal work. But the fact of the matter is, unlike a lot of guys in comics, I'm not a one-trick pony. I do a lot of different stuff. You know, I do historical material, I do crime, I do erotica, I do contemporary. And being a journeyman means that I can't be identified by the audience as any one thing, which can be a negative, but in a positive sense, it means that I can basically reinvent myself every 20 years as I need to. And I've done it every five. Mm -hmm. So my body of work stands for itself, you know, and I, and I recognize the fact that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm not everybody's taste. I don't share the audience's sensibility to any profound degree. You know, I don't, I mean, I don't really much care about the things that the audience cares about, although I was once a member of that audience. You know, I, I was just like every other comic book fat fanboy in the world. I'm looking at a picture of myself in that book goes right now. You know, I have a picture of myself, myself over my drawing table of me at 17, and I look like every guy you ever saw at a comic book convention in 1968. So, there you go. <laughs> Well, I got to ask about Ruben. All right, you know, you're talking about okay, Ruben. Yes. I mean, how did you how did you come up with the character? How, what what's the story behind it? Well, I I was in a blind rage about the Reagan administration, mm -hmm. and um, and just everything that was happening in the United States in the '80s was driving me up the wall. And and I I was in a just in a, in a mild panic. And I've always liked the idea of Holocaust negative utopias. And I wanted to do one that involved all of my obsessions, which were women's lingerie, men's suits, good cars, guns, rock and roll, and advertising, and television. Mm -hmm. So I did. Um, Flag was, a, was an incredibly influential book that, that in influenced so many of the guys who came into the comic book business in the late 80s through the 90s, but it never really reached the audience, say, that, uh, that, that the, ma the, ma the mainstream characters reached. So... It's kind of a, a hidden outlier in there. But that's, that's the true of my entire career. Have you uh, considered at all maybe bringing him back? Potentially, but, to, but truthfully, I'm a different person than I was then. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was 32 years old in blind rage with a different sense, set of sensibilities. I mean, the new book I'm working on right now is at least it's, it's far darker than that material that takes place in a well, in, a, in America that has been somewhat traumatized 
Um, I don't have the the same level of commitment to that sort of story that I did then. Mm-hmm. And I did I did 24 issues of my own and a number of others with other people. And you know, I, you just run out of steam on a character. You want to do something else. I mean, the Times Squared stuff reflected another set of sensibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I try to be creative with the work I'm given and the work that I do. And you know, comic books are based on this endless model. I mean, let's face it, Superman, 75 fucking years old and, and running. Yeah. How, I can't imagine finding anything new to say about this character other than self-parody. And again, I loved this material when I was a kid, but I can't imagine the sustenance and maintenance required to keep these characters alive as brands. Mm-hmm. You know? not, yeah, not just Superman. I mean, look at Batman, Captain America. Right, well, everything. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm talking about the comic book because it's a general. Yeah. I mean, it's all Roadrunner Coyote stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good guy and a bad guy. And the good guy is a narcissist and the bad guy is a narcissist. The bad guy thinks he's a good guy. I mean, it's just, I mean, I don't, I don't deny it's a right to exist, but it's not for me. I'm not that guy. No. And Marvel's I mean, I'm, I'm amazed that, what's that? And Marvel's answer to it is, oh, let's change their sexuality or their color and make them different. And okay, yeah, it's, it's a new person now. No, it's not. <laughs> no, exactly. It's like, come on, guys. Well, I also feel that, that, that the... That, that, that was a pratfall waiting to be taken place when they, when they finally woke up one morning and realized that most of the people who buy and read comic books in the United States are more socially conservative and that the diversity crowd is a very tiny, tiny minority that's just loud and that most people who read comic books, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised to find that the largest percentage of American comic book readers voted for Donald Trump. I would never be shocked by that. I mean, but that's the whole diversity thing, I guess, just the PC culture in general right now is, like you said, everyone's so loud and everyone has social media now that everyone can get their voice heard. And even though, you know, there might be like 5,000 people online liking one thing, it's like, what are these people that don't care about social media actually thinking? I mean, well, we have our... Mul- I mean, I, I, think, I think social media is a sword that swings both ways. You know, I think, I mean, I was, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't involved in, in the situation. Of, I didn't recognize Gamergate as, for example, the first real, real public statement of the alt-right. Uh, had, I, had I known that, I would have done something with it, just absorbed it as, as part of my, my colloquy. Um, but I think many, many comic book readers are, are guys, I mean, look, I, I'm no longer allowed to read anything about me on the Internet. I made a pledge to my wife. But I will never, ever read a review or a comment on anything I've said or done on the Internet. It all, it's all out of peace. Mm-hmm. The Internet is an anonymous, hostile, angry environment yeah. that is, frankly, also anonymous and cowardly. Very few people on the Internet are smart enough or brave enough to sign their work. Mm-hmm. I sign my work, and yet I am judged by anonymous pussies who frequently feel the right to express an opinion behind a mask. But I guess that reading comic books with masked heroes and capes and shit thinks they're doing the right thing, okay? So in my world, I have to remember that what people think of me is none of my business and try to, re- try to re- maintain a neutral attitude toward both praise and blame, if you will, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, the work is what it is. And I don't really need to know what the SJWs think or what the alt-rights think. I mean, I'm a guy who has been accused of being a misogynist and a sexist by the left and a left-wing faggot by the right. Fuck them both. You know what I'm saying? Because Howard goes his own path. (laughs) 
Yeah, I do. I have, I have, and, and not out of any choice, mind you. I'm not capable of being particularly political in any real way, because when I do, I come off as phony and false. I'm, you know, for me to be authentic and real, I'm stuck with what I got. I have no other option. Yeah. It's not a choice, mind. All right. Well, kind of going back, or not even going back, kind of going in a different direction. Um, mm -hmm. You said that you're the kind of person that can sit here and you have, you know, you can reinvent yourself. I've um, had to. I've uh, had so to. for others that are maybe kind of stuck in this, because, you know, you see a lot of, you know, older guys that just seem to come to kind of put out the same stuff mm -hmm. over and over and over again. What is some advice that you would give into starting your change, like in reinventing yourself as a, you know, a comic creator? I have no, no advice whatsoever in that regard. No. Um, I mean, no, because basically I'm not, I'm not naturally talented or naturally skilled or gifted. I've taught myself and learned how to do everything that I do. I'm the least talented and the least gifted of my generation. And frankly, it, as much as I resented the fact that there were many of these people who were so much better artists than I was when I was in my 20s, I'm still working and they're not. You know, I, I, I take nothing for granted. I never presume that the audience is wrong if it doesn't like what I do. Okay. The only other guy in my generation who's not doing work that's a parody of itself is Walter Simonson. So I can't advise anyone. I know for me, what I've had to do is accept the basic facts of life, follow my own path, and build it. I haven't take, I've, not, I've taken nothing for granted, as I said. You know, I am, I'm comfortable with my own insignificance and have learned not to be embittered. There you go. But I also don't depend on the kindness of an audience for which I have contempt. And a lot of guys do. Well, hey, I, cool. one thing I've been dying to ask you, I mean, with all of this stuff that you've been doing, is there anything mm -hmm. that you wish or you would love to work on that you haven't yet? No. No? No, not Con really. Content and happy with um, what you've done for the most part? Well, I mean, for example, I'm going to be doing the th a third Times Squared volume at the end of this oh, year. Oh, okay. Okay. Because um, I've always wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, I've got an idea for it. I know what we're going to do. And I've pretty much done whatever I want, and I always do whatever I want. That's one of the freedoms created <laughs> not, of not being wedded to Batman or Superman or Wolverine or anything that, like that. I mean, we're dealing with – look, we deal with, a, with, a, with an industry in which my commitment is to convince the audience that the talent is the brand, and the company's commitment is to convince the audience that the character is the brand. And the companies win simply by dint of majority. Most people in the comic book business would rather have – miserably and shittily produced comic books featuring the characters they love rather than well-made material produced by talent who are superior to the guys making that shit, okay? So, and I'm the guy who does other stuff, and I'm okay with that, you know? I'm not making the big bucks, I'm not getting the huge attention, but I sleep well. That's always a positive right there, you know, seeing no someone that's not afraid to just, you know, do their own thing, because like you said, a lot of people are just synonymous with certain, like, characters, right. or, you know, you, they're, they're stuck in that niche, and, right. uh, but I, I have to ask then, like, beyond, you know, Times Squared or anything like that, do you have any new ideas for something that you want to create that you haven't even touched on yet? I mean, besides the two books that I'm working on simultaneously right now? <laughs> yeah, besides <laughs> that, do you have anything still just brewing in the back of your mind? <sighs> Let's see. I don't think so. Yeah. I do everything I want. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've got the Times Square coming out. I've got the 
a quasi western that I'm working on for Dark Dark Horse that'll be out at the end of the year. Um, I've got Divided States of Hysteria. Um, there's an, actually there is a book that I haven't I haven't started yet that I that I've got a commitment on that I can't talk about. Um, that I'll talk that I'll introduce at the next Image Expo, um, which will be as an anthology book, which is kind of odd, but I can't talk about it at this point. I, unlike a lot of my colleagues who put their shit up on DeviantArt before it's been printed or talk about their stuff before it's committed. I let the client be the one that has the right to reveal what's being done. That's an old school professional attitude. Yeah. So let's say, because you got that old school vibe, if yeah. um, you were doing work in the 1930s, is there anything that you would want to work on? No. I, no. I, what if I were if I were my age in the 1930s? No, or my like my age at, in the 1930s. I, Let's say that my, you were, if I were my peak. age in the 1930s. I'd be dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's put you at like 30. Okay, say you went back. What, you were 30. Are you trying? Are you trying to get me to tell you what what pulp characters you, you think I'd like to be drawing and writing for the for? A, but you bear in mind, comic books in the like. 1930s. Look, comic books. The comic books as we know them were created by marginally skilled 15-year-old boys for less skilled 15-year-old boys. Mm -hmm. There are very few creative very few creative talent of any real value working in comics who didn't become mature men by the time by the early 50s. Eisner was a bit older and he was making the spirit. You know, Reed Crandall was was an incredible talent, Lou Fine, but let's face it, the writing for that material was aimed at a 15-year-old boy's sensibility. I didn't give a shit about that stuff. I don't care about that stuff. You know, I, re I did when I was 15. You know, I recently was solicited by the guy doing this documentary on AMC about comic books to have to be a talking head to discuss Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. I don't give a shit about Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. I did when I was 15, mm -hmm. but they have no impact on my life as a professional. I mean, I love Jack's work in the 1950s. I love, you know, Boy's Ranch and the double life of Private Strong and, you know, Fighting American and Speed Boy. And I love the early FX. But again, I was 12 and 13. By the time I became a professional, I was 20, and they had very little to do with my adult life. And I've no, and I've never met Jack, and I've only met Stan three times, and I don't care about him or his work. You know, I mean, and, and of course, when I told them this, they were stunned. I mean, because everybody's, a, I'm not a fan, I don't care. You know? <laughs> They're not used I, to hearing I, that. <laughs> I know how, I know how a-religious this sounds, you know? I know that this speaks, this is like Martin Luther nailing the shit to the door, you know? I mean, but that's just the way it is. I mean, I'm more interested in Harvey Kurtzman's work than I am in Stan Lee's, mm -hmm. okay? Although I do Melodramatic Hero, the work that was done at EC is much more interesting to me. And mm -hmm. certainly, I, I can, I go to, I look at the EC stuff almost every day. I haven't looked at Marvel, classic Marvel stuff in 40 fucking years. You know, my, the modern stuff I look at is stuff like by, by Eduardo Riso. I love Jason Aaron's work on Scouts with Aaron Guerra, you know? But, you know, it's just, I'm not the audience. I'm not that guy. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, probably in the last, what, year, I've gotten rid of like 90% of my Marvel collection to trade it all in for independence. You know, that's what I enjoy. Right. Give me some original stories these days. You know, it's cool that you brought up EC. You know, I like I, I was saying, I've been on a binge of Vault of Horror Tales from the Crypt, and and and, and, and that, that's where I get separated. I don't read that stuff. I'm talking about the war books and the. Uh, you and like the, the war books? Okay. I, I only read, I read Kurtzman stuff, mm -hmm. 
and I read uh, Johnny Craig stuff at Shock Suspense. Johnny Craig. And I read. And I like the Wood stuff at at the at uh, rather Crime Suspense from from Johnny Craig mm-hmm. and Shock Suspense from Woody. Uh, I don't care about the science fiction stuff anymore. I did when I was a kid. I never liked the horror stuff. I'm not a horror guy at all. You know. What um, turns you off from horror, man? I've never been a fan. I'm not a horror film fan. I'm not a horror comics fan. I'm squeamish. I'm just a pussy. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> You know, yeah, I like I violence. I, I like violence, but horror. I mean, for example, I, I was awake for all of 1960 after I saw the episode of The Twilight Zone to serve man, where it's a cookbook. Mm-hmm. I was, I just, I didn't sleep for all of 1960. <laughs> okay, uh. I'm a chicken shit. I mean, I did a piece when I did my solo book. You know, the, the thing I did about horror is a true. It's a true statement. I mean, it really is. I have no empathy whatsoever for horror fiction. Mm-hmm. I don't like the only guy I've ever read with any 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 love for horror is Joe, Joe Lansdale. Lansdale's horror fiction is stunning. It's brilliant. And it actually is some of the scariest shit I've ever read. Hmm. I've never read Stephen King except his, I, I read 11-22-63, and, and King's essays have turned me on to more music than I ever would listen to, but I'm not interested at all in his fiction, at all. Mm-hmm. Horror stuff doesn't intrigue me in the least. I don't go to monster movies. Horror movies, I don't see any of that shit. Not my world. So do you have, uh, you know, a specific uh, genre that you uh, really vibe with then? An, an existent genre or something that I like personally that I that I, I like to project onto comics? What are you talking about? Let's talk about what you like to project onto comics then. Okay. Well, I like I like crime. I mean, most of what I read for entertainment is crime fiction. I don't mean private detective stories. I mean, you know, thrillers and crime fiction. I read uh, all the great moderns. You know, uh, you know, Lee Child, Stephen Hunter, John Sanford, Thomas Perry, Dennis Lane, George Pelicanos, John Lawton. You know, the classics, mm-hmm. modern classics. Um, and those guys, the sensibility of that work informs me. Alan First, uh, Simon Marr. Uh, these are guys I really love. Um, I don't read Spillane. I can't read Spillane. I never, I've, I've tried any number of times, and I find it utterly un- un- impenetrable, unreadable, uninteresting to me. I read everything Leonard ever wrote. Everything McBain ever wrote, everything Westlake ever wrote, everything Larry Block's written. Okay, um, and of course I've read, um, you know, the, the Chandler and the Hammett stuff and the James, James M. Cain. Never liked Ross McDonald very much. Thought it was grossly overrated. And I've never really been able to get past a couple of pages of John D. McDonald. I know a lot of my friends are huge fans of the Travis McGee novels. I find them unreadable. Mm-hmm. Um, what about and Conan Doyle? What's that? Conan Doyle. When I was fourteen, <laughs> I come on! That I mean, those, those aren't those aren't really that. That those are puzzle stories. They're really. I mean, the character of Sherlock Holmes is ridiculous. He pulls shit out of his ass. I mean, come on! <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't like the te- detective stories. Bore my ass off. Mm-hmm. Puzz, I mean, that, that that English bullshit. You know, the, the Agatha Christie shit. The uh, and James James Patterson just a latter day version of that overplotted nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't interest me. Well, kind of switching gears a little bit, you've been in the industry for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. And uh, even in the beginning of the podcast here, you said you'd love to talk shit about others. So I want to hear some of those great I won't, stories. I'm not going to name names. Ah, you don't have to name names, but I'd love to hear some of these cool stories that you might have um, from the years gone by that, uh, that, that you've uh, experienced. I don't know. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you got any cool convention stories? Yeah, any, any just... No, no, no. <laughs> that now you're asking me to dig, dig deep into my, into my emotional pit, and I'd rather not. I don't, it's not worth my time. Okay, fair enough. Ah, uh, you're killing me. It's okay. Life, life, again, it's uh, 
No. This is neither the time nor the place for me to work that hard. No problem. All right. Well, okay. So do you have any, like, conventions coming up that you're going to be at, or is there anything oh, I'm, that you... I'm overbooked like I'm overbooked like crazy. I'm, uh, I'll be in MetroCon in Detroit. I'll be doing Meg- MegaCon this year uh, in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, in July, I'll be up in Toronto, in Montreal, rather. In August, I'm doing Mitch Halleck's show in, in, at the casino in Connecticut. And September, I'll be in, uh, in Lutz in Poland. And I think I'll be in Mexico City in Buenos Aires at the end of the year. Dang. Wow. Doing some traveling. A lot of traveling. Uh, more, less than last year. Last year, I, last year, I got overcommitted. I was everywhere last year, and it really kicked my ass. With, with a schedule like that, how can you get stuff done? I mean, you're working on two books. I'm, very, I'm actually I, I'm very productive. I, uh, unlike a lot of my colleagues, I, uh, I have a career that I actually support by time. So I, mean, I gotta I, ask. I, I mean, I, I functionally com- I, I completed my day's work, knowing I'd be talking to you this afternoon, so I wouldn't be distracted by working. See, so, true yeah, professional I'm, I'm right here. I, I had look. I, I, run, I run a professional shop. You know, when you called, I was in the process of doing research for the last chapter of this quasi western that I'm doing up for Dark Horse right now. Mm-hmm. It's a called it's called Sunshine Patriots. It's a eight twelve page cha- or twelve eight page chapters. It's a, a tribute to the movie serials of the 1930s and 40s. Oh, cool. uh, it's about two guys who are veterans of Roosevelt's Rough Riders who, 10 years after the fact, find themselves, after, after storming San Juan Hill, out of work and out of luck, and get hired by a, by a very young movie studio that just moved to Southern California to serve as hired guns to protect against the onslaught of the first wave of the Sicilian Mafia. So it's horses, cars, Gatling guns, automatic pistols, Colt 45s, and cowboys in the streets of Los Angeles circa 1911. Oh, airplanes, too. Wow, that sounds like a uh, as you can, As you can see, I'm just re- grabbing the commercial gold, you know, because the audience <laughs> just can't wait for this stuff, you know. That it is irony for you. There you go. <laughs> That's cool, but though. So- I, but again, I, I'm, I'm having a great time, and um, it's, it's a fun job. Bottom line, enjoy what you're doing, right? I do. I'm the lucky. I'm the luckiest boy on earth. <laughs> Sweet. Hey, cool. Quite seriously, so, I'm 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 absolutely blessed. So, um, I gotta say then, just because I, I mean, this is probably gonna be one of the last things that we're gonna get to. But you said it's like a quasi western thing. What are some westerns that you like? You know, are really into? What inspires you? Movies or television or comic books? Anything, whatever is the most inspiring to you out of any median. I have this. I don't have a column of, of that stuff, but you know, I uh, I love Larry McMurtry stuff. You know, I, I mean, the, the 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 Woodrow and Gus trilogy are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the the Berryman saga that, that McMurtry wrote. Um, I'm, I'm a huge John Ford fan. Um, you know, all, all the Ford westerns are absolutely on, on my top of the list, and everything from the from from you know my Don Clementine to Manage That Liberty Balance, um, just you know the Searchers, all that stuff. I also love Howard Hawks and Raul Walsh in that regard. Um, in terms of the modern pictures, I love the Culpeper Cattle Company by Dick Williams or Dick Richards, I forget which. Um, I love that stuff. I grew up reading, watching cowboy pictures and cowboy shows as a kid. I was born in '50. So for, my, for me, my entire life was based on Johnny Mac Brown and Don Red Barry, Ken Maynard. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, of comic stuff, I thought John Severn and Jack Davis' work that they did 
at EC in Two Pissed Tales when their Western stuff was Texas Jack's a lot of stuff. It was sensational. I love that work. Well, I'm quite a fool. Read, you got. I'm looking forward to read this because I've always and been also, a fan and, of and, and, and again, J- and James Garner's Maverick yeah. and Nichols. Oh my God, that's one of my top favorite TV shows. I love Maverick. Oh my God, James Garner. Have you watched Nichols? Have you seen Nichols? I don't think I have Nichols. Nichols is a show that Garner did between Maverick and Rockford Files. Okay, I love it. Never really caught on with the audience. Yeah, it I, never I, caught on with the audience, but it's staggeringly good. I made a note of that. I'm going to check that out because, like I say, I'm a it's huge... available for the, it's available on DVD from the Warner Archives. Warner Archives. Okay, I'm definitely looking into that one. But yeah, I mean, oof, cool. Thanks for the info on that one. But we are running out of time. We're at that 30 minute. Well, I think we've had, I think we've told it. We we covered a lot of ground here. Yeah, we, we did. Covered. Yeah, we did. Okay. You, I've been going to say this right now. You've been one of the most interesting guys that we've probably interviewed on this only show. by comparison like, to the dull, the dull morons who mostly make up the make up the talent pool of the comic book business most <laughs> of these guys are just inarticulate guys so it, it's kind of like being the world's tallest midget it's not that big a deal well it's cool it's ta- it's cool talking to someone that actually isn't sitting there and like you know line by line you, you know this seems genuine this seems real and you know you seem like a real cool guy i don't know about that but i'm 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 working i'm vertical i'll be around <laughs> gentlemen have a great day. Stay warm and dry. And we'll see you on the trail. Sounds good. All right. We'll see you. Yep. Happy trails thanks, to thanks you. So much for your, thanks so much for your attention and your patience. I'm grateful. Thanks right. again. And thank hey, you thank for joining you us. for coming really on. appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thanks yeah. again. Bye now. Yep. Have All a good right. one. Bye. Thanks. Bye.